Welcome in, everyone, to the Sunday Recap. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our one-year anniversary of the Sunday Recap. Do you guys realize that? One-year one year anniversary. Episode. Unbelievable. Do, do you guys think we're... Do you think we're getting better or worse <laughs> as time goes on? I hope I hope a little better. Yeah. I, ho- I hope we're growing. <laughs> At least maintaining. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, just think about this. Like, one year ago this week, uh, actually, it was one year ago yesterday. That was March 15th. That was the first Sunday that we did an online service when the after the pandemic started. And then... We started thinking through like, okay, well, what else could we do to sort of offer things to, to our people as we're, um, as we're, you know, everyone's at home and everyone's just listening to stuff and whatever. We're like, let's do a podcast. What a great idea. So like we sat down, we started talking about what, what this could be. And we quickly launched a, uh, (laughs) a sermon recap podcast. And, uh, we've been doing this, you guys, this is episode 51. We took one week off this year. And so here we are. One year later, uh, one year later, celebrating our anniversary doing this podcast. Why do you keep looking at me? Well, because otherwise I'm just looking at my phone. So So this is a unique day. It's crazy because when we started the podcast, we were all three in our own homes. That's right. And we were FaceTiming. And now Mm -hmm. here we are one week out from baby arrival and Mitch is in his office in the same building, but not sitting with us at the table. He's kind of self-quarantined. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So he's just, here. just, just playing it safe the best that we can this week. So thankfully, though, we've got some pretty awesome technology that we record That's with every right. week. Right. To where literally they're still in the room recording in like our makeshift studio, and I'm just piped in through my phone. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's super so cool. Yeah. Hey, here's the deal. We wanted to celebrate the anniversary of uh, this podcast with you guys. I know that there's a number of you who have been faithful listeners since day one, uh, and then a bunch of you that have jumped on the train since then. Yes. So uh, thanks for listening, and we wanted to celebrate you guys uh, for you know, and, and this year that we've spent together through this podcast by doing some giveaways. And so what we're going to do is we're going to give you um, a uh, basically three books, three books. And so here's how this is going to work. The first three people who email me to say happy anniversary. So my email is chris at stonescrossing.com. So the first three people that email me to say happy anniversary, we're going to give one, uh, one book away from each of us. And this is kind of like our pick. All right. So Mitch, tell us your pick for uh, the giveaway. Yeah. So I'm going with Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. That's a really good book. I know a lot of people in our church have been reading it. Um, for me, it's one of the books that it's just, it was kind of on my list for a while. And then once I get out of seminary and I hit Christmas time, I try to read as many of those books as I can kind of like in that winter break window. And I read this book and the way that like, I would say it is I fell kind of deeper in love with Jesus. It's really just talking about who is Christ and what's the heart of Christ. And so it's using, you know, the passage where Jesus actually says that, you know, I'm gentle and humble of heart. And it's kind of building off that and looking at Hebrews. It's awesome. So, so Dane Ortland, Gentle and Lowly, great book. Awesome. Very cool. Ariel, what is your pick? Yeah, I'm going to go with Nancy Guthrie's Even Better Than Eden. And mm. the reason I picked this book is um, this was kind of like the introduction to biblical theology for me. I'd say the yeah. one you picked is probably also big up there on that list. He's <laughs> about to talk about. But um, Nancy's just so um, 
tender with the text of pulling out all of these themes that God has ordained through Scripture that he has carried from Genesis to Revelation and how they all point to Christ. But the thing that I love about Nancy is that she takes each of these themes and turns it into kind of a a response to how she loves Christ more yeah. because of it. Right. And, um, and she's just so good with that, so good with words and a really great Bible teacher. So I hope you'll enjoy it. That's great. The one I'm uh, throwing in the mix here is a book called According to Plan by Graham Goldsworthy. Um, this book changed the way that I read scripture hands down. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was um, so formative in my understanding of scripture as being one complete narrative, one complete story, and seeing the through lines of this one story that the Holy Spirit was writing throughout time. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's just so good. Um, and, and what I love about what the way that he writes is he's very succinct. So like he just kind of gets to the point and moves mm-hmm. on, which I love. <laughs> I, I'm not one. I don't like to like sit there and read a bunch of fluff. So it's very, um, it's very succinct and precise and so, so good. So uh, that's my pick. So when you email me, Chris at stonescrossing.com and say happy anniversary. The first three people to do that will receive all three of these books. We're going to, we're going to give all those away and we're uh, excited to get those into your hands. So that's nine books. I love that you did the math. Yes. Love it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hey, um, Mitch, I'm going to put you on the spot real quick. Could you uh, also let us know about what's coming up in a couple Fridays from now uh, here at our church? Yeah, it is Good Friday service here at the church. So again, this is going to be a night of worship. Um, It's going to be an incredible time. We're going to be taking communion, um, and we're going to be really just kind of preparing our hearts for the Easter weekend together. Um, We're going to be diving deep into Scripture. I know there's going to be a lot of Scripture reading and, and really just centering ourselves kind of on the passion narrative of Jesus um, and just kind of really diving ourselves into that space um, to set our hearts for what Easter is about in that entire weekend. And mm-hmm. so we're here at the Church with the Family, uh, night filled of worship, 6.30 p.m. It'll right. be about an hour long, and we're going to have child care literally from the beginning to fourth grade, I yeah, believe. Birth so to fourth grade. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah, we hope we see you guys there. This would be a great time to bring your family and, um, and to come and worship, just spend some time in prayer and in worship. Uh, it'll be a, a fantastic time for, for you to come in and, uh, and celebrate that with us. So we'd love to see you there. Well, this week we kept going through the I am statements of Jesus. And we went into John chapter six, talking about how Jesus said that he was the bread of life. So I want to ask you guys this as we get started. Um, what is your favorite kind of bread? <laughs> <laughs> They're laughing because I am recently gluten-free and I love bread. And I would love to have all the bread, right? any bread. Um, but you know I, what? I found some good <laughs> substitutes. They're okay. But yeah. They're just not the true bread that has yeast and, and gluten in it. Yeah. For sure. You guys, you guys <laughs> go ahead and tell, and I'll live vicariously is, well, is there your answer. Are, are, what, what are some good ones that you found that are like, oh. actually, this actually works pretty well. Okay. So um, there's one called Three Bakers. I found it at the Kroger. Okay, yeah. That's good. That's pretty good. Um, honestly, there is this pie crust that I have found Mm. that is amazing. And And we just had pie day. Yeah. So I I made a, I made an apple pie. 
And it was the first time I'd ever made a two-crust pie that was gluten-free. And it was delightful and flaky. (laughs) That's awesome. Are you all picturing it in your mind? (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, Mitch, what about you? So I I was not laughing because of that. I was laughing because I think you guys are going to be surprised by my answer. I worked at Panera Bread in high school. So I, I, I've like got a lot more bread knowledge than I think you would expect in my head. So, um, man, it's tough the for me. Of the knowledge of bread in, in Mitch's mind. It's tough Let's for me it. because I don't know if you guys remember like the ciabatta bread craze. Do you oh, remember yeah. that? Where like it felt like ciabatta bread was on everything. Yeah. It was like Subway was carrying it, ciabatta bread pizza. It was like the thing. So I liked ciabatta bread a lot. But Asiago Focaccia... My favorite bread, oh. hands down. Cheesy, crusted, soft. Oh, it's a great bread. That's so good. Asiago focaccia. So you said focaccia. I would have said focaccia. So how do we know who's correct? I don't know. My Panera <laughs> bread training may be, may be wrong. <laughs> but I guess I'll trust you. You're the professional. That's good. Uh, I am all, all about sourdough, uh, mm. 100%. And actually, even like those sourdough English muffins, like with the nooks mm. and crannies, right? Where and the uh, butter kind of like the, oh, pools oh in the gosh. little holes. So yeah, good. those are good. So good. I just, uh, yeah. And I can't eat it all the time because I'm just like, I will eat it all day long. But then you get I bread love though. sourdough bread. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. The only bread I actually eat, though, most of the time is that, like, 35 calorie, like, like paper thin, not very good Ew. bread. <laughs> but yeah. that's, but yeah, 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 a lot of bread knowledge. Totally. I think it's interesting that everyone has an opinion on bread. Yeah. So I think that carries us into our... Well, yeah, well, is that our transition? That's, that's our, our transition, transition. yeah. <laughs> so funny. But yeah, in this passage, Jesus is calling himself the bread of life is the way that he phrases it. And this is such a... Uh, this whole chapter is is fantastic. And it was... it was uh, the, the whole chapter was part of the, uh, the Sunday prep reading. Um, but what I love about this this section is how it it really what Scott pointed to here was one how the sufficiency of the true bread reveals our insufficiency and that there's a satisfaction in in the true bread and then and then he concluded with how do we actually get this true bread um, so that's what I'd love to dive into today um, so let's start with looking at the passage I'd love to just start here at um, this is in John chapter 6. Would someone here read verses 4 through uh, four through 15? Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing a, that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip, an- Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. And Jesus then took the loaves, and when he'd given thanks, had distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, and nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. 
And perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Awesome. Thank you. So when we're looking at this, we're, you know, this is this beginning part is the feeding of the 5,000. There's some interesting details in here, especially like um, the, the stuff here about the kind of the, the doubt that the disciples were feeling. Like look at especially verses seven through nine, where you see both Philip and then and then the other disciples, um, they're sort of grumbling about this. I love I love the little detail. Philip says like, you know, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough to get everyone just a little bit. And so I, I, I looked this up. So a denarii would be like a day's wage. So we're talking about here, I mean, $20,000, $25,000 is about, you know, kind of an equivalent here of that, which would make sense because it would be like, it would kind of, if you had 5,000 people and you'd have like five bucks, like a $5 lunch for everybody, I mean, that's $25,000 thousand dollars right there. So it's like, dang, that's a lot of money. <laughs> so, um, so he's not joking. And then, and then everyone else is like, you know, what, what is, what are just these, you know, five loaves and two fish for so many, you know, um, there's so much doubt, so much, um, so much worry about how they're going to handle this. And so this really is, I, I think, acknowledging the insufficiency that the disciples feel as they're, um, as they're coming to this. Why are we so blind sometimes to our our most basic spiritual needs, like our insufficiency and and the most basic spiritual need of of Christ and and his his love and forgiveness in our life? Like why are we so blind to that? Mm. I think that we are so filled or seemingly filled on our own sufficiency. Um, and you know, Depending on your context, I mean, if you're part of our church, we are in a very um, affluent area. You know, most people have everything they need and more, and um, and it's hard to realize your insufficiency when you feel like, hey, I've, I'm pretty sufficient. I really don't lack anything. Um, yeah, so it, I think um, it almost eliminates the need for, for Christ then when we don't see the, the internal need. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say because we're hungry, <laughs> kind of just kind of like, and I don't mean like spiritually hungry, we're physically hungry. I think I think again sometimes like one of the reasons we we struggle just even to seek the things of God is because we're bound by our physical desires, and so I think you know when when we've seen those things be met time and time again, which what we think is by our own power. That as Ariel said, we're gonna keep diving into those things, mm-hmm. and then when we're hungry and our needs aren't being met we're going to blame someone else. And so I I think like, because we're human, you know, and we have these desires, like, you know, I think it's funny that in this scenario, they actually are hungry (laughs) because that's, that's when I find often for me, it's difficult to think um, about the things of God, which, which is why I think it's so incredible when you think about faithful people who deal with like um, lifelong illness Mm. or lifelong disease or things. And they, and yet they're faithful to God. One, it's kind of because they've continually had to rely on God for their daily needs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But two, it's like, man, I know when I get the littlest bit of discomfort, um, the ugliness of me comes out, and it's hard to turn to God. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think both of those are great. I mean, Scott Scott brought up the idea, kind of Ariel, what you were saying, like we're blinded by our in a, uh, we're blinded by our own success mm-hmm. at, at the end of the day. And then, yeah, like then, then it's, then we start running to satisfying our own 
our own desires and, and almost like our own kind of filling our own appetites all the time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that Scott said in this was that sometimes Jesus will then allow us to get into some places where we are, uh, we are over our head <laughs> and, and he does this. And this is what Scott said. He said, he does this to shatter the illusion of our self sufficiency. And, I kind of have a practical question about this because I think sometimes we get into situations where it's like, okay, difficult circumstances, things are tough or whatever. And we got, we often ask ourselves, why is this happening? How can we discern if this is something where God is allowing this to, to kind of shatter our illusion of self-sufficiency or when is it something where it's just like, no, that was just you being stupid. (laughs) or something else or some other reason. I mean, how do we help to discern what exactly God is doing when we go through difficult circumstances? I mean, if we're going to refer to um, Romans 8, 28, and we see that that in all things, then I think the answer is yes. Mm. That, you know, it it could be because of something that you did that was dumb and you're just feeling the fallout from it. But I, I think that he uses all things for his glory. And so if it's a hard thing, for sure he can use it to to shatter our our, our sense of yeah. fulfillment. Um yeah, I, I I think I don't know. I think I would have to get I'm sure it's more nuanced than that, but <laughs> it seems like it could be all of, yeah. all of it in some way. Yeah. Well I, I think I think what kind of what you're saying, Ariel, and I and I find this with myself is like I I I think, you know, my first action if I'm caught in trouble either way is repentance and i don't know if i think that's probably the right response you know like like even even if it's not something that god brought upon me or it's something that i did out of my own actions um that i just think of repentance in my flesh even just for my response to the troubles that mm-hmm. you know you know have came upon me and then reliance on god which is the goal um i think either way it's like getting out of your circumstance um, as Scott kind of you know alludes to in his message, that's not the goal uh, of of the spiritual life. The goal of the spiritual life is to sit before the Father. And so, either way, it's like recognizing my flaws, which is either my response to the situation or the fact that I got myself in this situation. And then, secondly, turning to God and just saying, "God, I, I want to rely on you more with this, and see you as an opportunity to do that." Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what it looks like for me. Like even this last week, like I had a little bit of a stomach bug and I remember thinking like, man, I don't know like what's going on here. Like we're about to have a baby in a week. If I'm really sick, this is going to be a problem. JC can't be sick. Maybe I made some decisions that led to this. God, maybe you're trying to teach me to rely on you. Whatever's going on, um, I want to just kind of repent of myself, rely on you and trust you that you're going to get us through this, whatever that may be, right. you know? Um, and so I think that's the, that's a common pattern I feel like in my life yeah. is just kind of that cyclical, like, did I do anything wrong? If I did and I recognize it, repent of it. If I didn't still repent of my response, you know, yeah. and my lack of being okay with the scenario and then trusting in God. I think that's great. Always coming back to repentance in the midst of those circumstances. I mean, it should drive us to our knees. The, the, those circumstances, mm-hmm. no matter what, it, it's, it should drive us to repentance and then deeper trust mm-hmm. in the Lord, which I think is so interesting too, because this is what Jesus then kind of points to with this idea of, of him being the bread of life. Like, I mean, he comes back to essentially that he's saying like, look, I'm the one that's sufficient for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm the one that, I'm really the one that you need. Um, but this is such a, um, 
a strange idea, a, such a such a strange concept to this idea where Jesus is this true bread, um, that he that that he's all that we need and things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, what does this mean in practical terms? I mean, it, it, like if if you were to explain this to a new Christian, hey, you know, um, Jesus is all you need, and they're thinking, well, wait a minute, actually, I mean, I, I need a house and clothes and food and things like that. Like, I mean, how do we explain the sufficiency of Jesus to, to someone that's new, uh, new to Christianity? I, I begin by, by asking them about really what are the deepest desires of their heart, mm-hmm. their soul, their mind, you know? And, and I think, I think once you can get clarity on that, that really we're all trying to kind of seek like peace like that's, that's, that's for me is a big kind of landing spot is that, you know, we, we may want all these things, but we want them all because they, we think they accomplish true peace for us. Yeah. Um, well, none of those things really offer that. And true peace really only comes from Christ. And, and so I, I think to me, that's, that's kind of where I think those conversations lend into that. Um, you know, if someone doesn't have peace or somebody is really just like, look, I want peace and I can't obtain it that that begins to say well there's a peace offered in Christ that you know is outside of whatever the things are that you're dealing with or the things you're trying to accomplish um that's the living you know the living bread the living the living water yeah, it's, you it's know it's kind of like they're running after that peace by going after these other things all the time and 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 so yeah i don't, i think most people just don't even know like right. i think most people like they 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 like if you really ask them they'll 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 vocalize that they want peace but with the way that they're living their life, you would think that they actually really want like busyness, accomplishment, but really like, okay, you want accomplishment for what? Well, so that I can have, you know, relaxation one day or it always, I think, kind of comes to an end. And the end is often we want rest. Yeah. <laughs> and and I think the thing is like you can really see how you're not going to obtain rest by running after everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, on the flip side, I'm reminded of, um, you know, the church filling our bellies on things that we think are um, are supplying for our needs and, and just getting into a comfortable place. And it makes me think of um, the uh, the church in Laodicea in, um, in, in Revelation. Yeah, Revelation 2. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, that, you know, that's a letter two that's... Three. Yeah, three. three. Um, that's a letter that, that John writes to the churches to circulate, to, to warn them of the things that are going on in their church. And, and this church is the one that he's saying, Jesus basically wants to spit you out, like vomit you out because you're lukewarm, because you've, you, say, you say that you, are, that you are rich and that you have everything you need, but um, the things that you are filling yourself with are, are done in your own efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Jesus says... Um, to fill themselves on on him instead, and so uh, it, that's just a good warning for us to to not get to a place of complacency where we're just we're so lukewarm in in pursuing things that we think are are uh, are going to last when they don't. They're just they're just temporal. Um, yeah, absolutely. temporal fixes. You know, it, it reminds me of the Apostle Paul when in Second Corinthians when he was talking about like how the Lord had given him this thorn in his flesh, right? Yes. Uh-huh. And he says, actually, I'll just read it. This is 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. He says, to keep me uh, from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation. So apparently, you know, God's been showing him things. And, mm-hmm. and so he, he recognizes that this thorn in the flesh has been given to him to, co- to keep him from becoming conceited. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he says, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, 
a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What a crazy perspective about, I mean, you go through terrible things in life. What he talked about here, weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. And, and, and his perspective is that when he goes through that, that he would actually be content in there mm-hmm. and actually rejoice in that weakness because through that, then the, the, the sufficiency of Christ is made known to him and, and made known to others. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we get to that place? Like, how do we arrive at a place where we are just content in, mm-hmm. <laughs> in the weaknesses and the calamities and the struggles that we go through and, and, and have this perspective that actually God is doing this for our good? How do we come to that place? That's a really good question. I think for me, the the I had read a, a pastor say that he felt closer to the Lord in the desert than in the you know the land of promise, and so like um, just leaning into those hard times in my life where I've seen the Lord um, walk so closely next to me and His faithfulness be so much more clear to me because it is uh, it is so needed. I can feel my need so mm-hmm. much um, heavier than than when I am, you know, under the illusion that I'm providing for myself. Um, and so yeah, whenever I'm in a, in a rough spot, I, I try to remember back to the fact that, you know, this is one of those times where the Lord is going to draw so close that I'll be able to, you know, feel like I can reach out and touch him because, mm. because this, is, um, this is a hardship. Um, and then he produces steadfastness, and we see Paul talk about that. And, and I've seen that too. So... Um, some of it, I think, just comes with with trial, which none of us really want to welcome, but it it does produce the fruit that um, that that God talks about in the New Testament. So that's good. We, we can praise God for that. We yeah, can praise yeah. God for what He's going to do through it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I just think, and I don't remember Scott's exact words, but I remember he was talking this Sunday about how we need to kind of rethink about how the gospel works in our lives um, and thinking about how the gospel is not only this thing that we believe in Jesus that offers us, you know, eternal security, but it's actually this thing, this message that we're resting on and we're growing more in every day of our lives. Right. Like that, I think he said that we could define the gospel as, you know, or we could define what we're supposed to do with the gospel as every single day I'm trying to grow more in the knowledge of it, um, grow deeper into the gospel message. And and I think, um, I think for me, that is that is what it is. It's in it's in the low moments and the high moments, seeing them as opportunities to trust God more and grow in Him. Um, just kind of over and over and over and over again, um, knowing that you're never really going to become completely content. Like you're going to always have moments where you know you're battling your flesh, but it's an opportunity again to grow more in the knowledge of God and rest in Him. Um, I, I mean, I'm going to reference again. I was in one of one of the most probably controversial verses in the history of the church last night, <laughs> okay. um, in in Philippians chapter two. But I, I really think this is what Paul is talking about in verse chapter two, verse twelve, where he says, "Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, 
but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And then verse 13 says, for it is God who works it out in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And, and I think this is really what he's talking about. Like, what does it mean to work out your salvation? <laughs> you know, he's, he's talking to a church. And I think it's this remembrance of God, what God has done for you in your life, um, that eternal standing that you have before him, how it impacts the moment that you're sitting in. But it's also this kind of constant recognizing how you've abandoned God again, you know, or you're not resting in God in this and then submitting yourself back to him. Um, that's the fear and trembling and I, part, right? Yeah, I think I think that's 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 the process of what is what is the spiritual life in Christ from now until the point that I die. It's constantly reminding myself about the gospel and its impact um, for me in my yeah, life. Yeah, over and over again. Totally. Yeah, and and I say it's the most controversial verse because people have blood has been spilled over this verse. Sure. I mean, battles have been fought in the history of the church. For those who don't know that. Because they're trying to say, what is what is he talking about there when he says, work out your own salvation? But I think if you take it out of the context of what it's really been debated and realize that he's giving them practical advice on obedience, which is what kind of like that passage is about, that you, you begin to understand this is what the Christian life looks like. Yeah. Um, it looks like me reminding myself of my salvation, not me being saved, but the act in which got that, that got me saved and resting in that truth for the everyday of my life. Absolutely. In verses 32 and 33, I think this is just so neat. Jesus says, um, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And so here is sort of a a parallel between the Exodus story, right, and what Jesus is doing, this idea of, of the manna that, that came down every day and, and – um, and then what? And then Jesus as as this true bread. Um, what what I think is fascinating about this is that what Jesus is setting up is how manna is actually a type for mm-hmm. you know it, it, it's a typological picture of Jesus's satisfaction of us or for us. So what is the what what might that typological picture if we were to draw that out? What might that tell us about the satisfaction that Jesus offers us? I would say that it's truly um, effective for all of our needs. And so um, every need is satisfied. And I find it so interesting that the Israelites, when they tried to gather more and do a little bit of their own effort, mm-hmm. that it rotted. You right. know? And, um, and so what that tells me is that, that when we come to, when we approach Christ, when we're, you know, trying to obtain this bread of life, like there's, there's certain um, fleshly aspects of us that will try so hard to do that in our own efforts, um, whether it be like our quiet time. Well, that's what Christians do. So I'm going to develop a quiet time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and that's my, you know, and you're just chasing that and you're like, well, I didn't get the full 30 minutes in today or whatever. And it, it just becomes about this legalism of doing the right thing rather than, um, feasting on the true bread of life. And, um, I think what he's showing us is that it is something that is supplied, not obtained, um, and so yeah. we can trust that, that the Lord will have it show up every morning when we're hungry again, as he did for the Israelites, you know? Right. I think that's on the money. I, I, don't, I don't have much to add from that. I think that was really good. <laughs> as Scott starts talking about the idea of 
of the the true bread uh, as Jesus as the true bread offers this satisfaction for us. Um, uh, one of the things that I think is so neat about this this passage, um, and, and especially as we get further down into the passage, that Jesus really explains how there is this this idea of of him being the one that satisfies us and satisfies every need, every desire that we have in our life. And, and um, what Scott pointed out, I thought was really good because he was looking specifically at verse 27 and, and he said, you know, what is Jesus actually saying here? Well, he's saying, don't let the fulfillment of your desires rule your life, right? Don't, don't like, like what Jesus is getting to with this is like, look, the, the, the difference here is that we should not allow the us, you know, our appetites control us <laughs> so that we're constantly running after those things. So, um, so that we're, you know, we're just tempted all the time to let our appetites run our lives. Um, so what I want to ask you guys as we um, are kind of getting near the end here, uh, I mean, what, what really makes the difference between someone who is, you know, maybe wrestling with this, letting their appetites um, really run their life as they're ch- chasing after all those things. And then someone who is um, maybe not letting that and they're finding this satisfaction in the bread that Jesus offers. What's the difference there? What's the, what's the thing that switches over? So all of a sudden it's like, yeah, this is actually all I really need is Jesus. And I'm, and I'm focused there. Yeah. I went, I went back to the revelation passage again too, because, um, Jesus then says, I, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white mm-hmm. garments so that you may clothe yourself. The shame of your wickedness or nakedness may not be seen right. and salve to anoint your eyes um, so that you may see. And then he goes on to say, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. So he's beckoning them to like find their, um, their needs in him and to be zealous about, about, um, his supply rather than being about the work of their yeah. busyness. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, back in, back in John six too, he, he's, he, Jesus points back to one key thing that, that they're supposed to do. And this, you see this in uh, verse 29, Jesus answered them. This is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. And, and you get down um, to verse 35, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This, this coming to him and believing in him are paralleled, right? So, so this idea of, of believing in Jesus, um, it's, it's so much more than, and we've talked about this before, but it's so much more than just a cognitive understanding of who Jesus is, you know, and just believing that he existed. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's, a, it's a faithfulness. It's a trust. It's a, um, it, it's a, it's a putting your full... Uh, like putting every all your eggs in that basket. I, I see this over and over again in um, in scripture as being just a major theme that that pops up. Like the question is is do we really trust Jesus? Do we really trust God at the end of the day? Which goes all the way back to Genesis three and the and the serpent. Like the whole scheme of the serpent in that in that moment with Eve was can you really trust him? Can you really trust God? <laughs> you know, he's, he's trying to plant this seed of doubt um, in her that, hey, you know, you really shouldn't trust him. He's holding out on you. He, uh, there's something better. Go ahead and take the fruit. You can be like him. 
you know, all this sort of stuff. And then what we see here is the same thing that, that humanity is still struggling with that same question. Can we really trust God? Can we really trust the father? Yeah. I think that's definitely the underlying, um, difference between relying on self or relying on him. But uh, yeah, I, I think this passage heavily shows the difference between, um, between works and between faith mm-hmm. and, um, and they're just asking like, how do, what, how do we obtain that? How do we get it? What do we need to do? Yeah. What do we need to do? What do we need? Tell me what to do. And, and the work is to believe on him, yeah. you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. that just seems too simple for, for us who are used to, you know, run into three car lines and, and doing things all day long because we're all about being busy here. And I think that's why it's such a good reminder that, that the belief is active. You know, like I was talking about like that baptism immersion in last week's, you know, podcast uh-huh. and with last week's message. And I think, I think that's what like, the, okay, so what does that look like? Well, it's constantly reminding yourself to the things of God, um, constantly, you know, reading scripture, reading the words of Jesus, resting in the message of Jesus, and then watching those things infiltrate the way that you act in your life. And, and I, I just think that again, like like you're saying, it's hard for us to see that as an active thing, but yet you know we know that it's that it's transformative. Um, I mean, it's it's like like working out. Like working out is yes, it's going to change your body physically, but actually doing it, you know, a couple days a week consistently might actually have more impact on you because you're developing disciplines. I, I think I think it's almost like that in the sense that it's like. It's, you know, you're returning back to a message that's going to transform your life in other ways that you may not even recognize or recognize it with your actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, guys, happy anniversary to you all. Um, we're so, uh, I don't know, this has just been a really fun thing for, I, I, I don't know about the two of you, but like, I've enjoyed doing this. Well, week, we're not, so. we're certainly not going to go, oh, well, yeah, it's been good. <laughs> <laughs> No, we really have enjoyed it. It's yeah. been it's been fun to talk about these things because they're, I mean, these are conversations that um, men and women have been been having for thousands of years. And um, you know, Sundays sometimes we have to rush out and um, just to kind of simmer and what what the Lord has said um, through our pastor on Sunday mm-hmm. has been um, a real treat. And I hope it has been for you guys. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, f- I feel the exact same way. I, I often think of like um, the Charles Spurgeon quote where he says, you know, that the sermon the sermon begins with application. And he doesn't mean like your sermon prep begins with application because that's bad. <laughs> but what he means is like, again, that like the work of the sermon is to take the message of the gospel and understand how it applies to our yeah. lives and rest in the truth of God. And And I think in our context with so many voices, so many things we can listen to, I love that we have one option where it's like, we're going to talk about something that you already heard about before. (laughs) Like we're not going to give you something new. You're going to hear about something you already heard about, but we're going to talk about how it relates to us. So it's fun. It's good for me, you know, I mean, probably better for us than it is for even the people who are listening, (laughs) but it's really good. That's awesome. Well, uh, like we said before, uh, we would love to celebrate this anniversary with you guys. So just email me, chris at stonescrossing.com and say happy anniversary. And the first three people, you're going to get those three books from us. Uh, We're excited to get those into your hands. 
Um, also, again, uh, if you have any questions about the things that we've talked about on the podcast, we would love to hear from you. So reach out to Mitch at stonescrossing.com, Ariel at stonescrossing.com, or Chris at stonescrossing.com uh, to talk about those things. And um, yeah, we're we're excited to keep this going. Next week, Mitch will not be here because he will be on Baby Watch 2021. And so <laughs> hopefully there, there will be a baby soon. Uh, so we're, we're excited to see him um, and, uh, and all that. But uh, yeah, thanks so much, you guys. Thanks for listening. And thanks for being a part of this over this last year. We will talk to you all soon and uh, see you next time on the Sunday Recap. <laughs>